Back here on Overtime, it is hour number two. It's Jake Miller alongside Davis Rangy, producer Matthew, intern Bryson. Logan Quentin has joined us here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Guys, summertime's almost here. Got to get rid of the beer belly bloat. Drink some White Claw Hard Seltzers. I love me some good White Claws. I always keep one in my pocket. Got to have that pocket claw. White Claw Hard Seltzer. Please drink responsibly. Logan. Obviously, you do the 920 podcast. You know all about baseball. You are the baseball expert here at Fan Run Radio. What do you make of what is happening right now with the NCAA, Tony Vitello, Malia Huna? Uh, so, yeah, it was an interesting day. We, we get to recording the podcast, and that's when, I mean, literally when we're doing the podcast, me and Charlie. It happened when you were working. Our, our, oh. phones, were, our phones were, like, blowing up. Okay, you know, I didn't realize that. I didn't and realize so you all were recording when we you... had to. Well, the UT announcement came later, right? But we knew something was up right. ahead, so we had to kind of leave that stuff out, right? Right. And I heard rumblings this morning as well. Yeah, but I didn't realize that we were going to get a suspension today. Yeah. So, um, man, it's you all hit on it. I mean, uh, if you listen to Trey on the drive earlier, he pretty much laid it out there and and colored the picture yeah. of the finger pointing and how it led to some of the tempering allegations. And, mm-hmm. you know, that seems to be sticking. And, uh, you know, I you guys nailed it. Like, it's, it's about, let's call it what it is, like college baseball, you know, five, ten years ago, it's this good old boy sport where – the Tim Corbins of the world and Dave Van Horns kind of, you know, and, they run things. And Paul Maneri and guys like that. Yeah, they run. Yeah. Th- and not to mention Arkansas and Vanderbilt had an 11.7 advantage right. at, based on legislation and certain endowments that Vanderbilt has and Arkansas has and right. everything like that. Uh, that's gone away <laughs> in the world oh, of it NIL. Is gone. And it was, that's what's so beautiful about the rise of Tony Vitello in the match that was uh, made with him in the University of Tennessee, he was lifting a program at the time that the trans- transfer portal was c- becoming more of a thing and then right. NIL kicking in. And so that's really helped bring this program to the forefront, and those guys don't like it. Right, and I mean, and you and I, you and I know this just as well as anybody. I mean, tampering goes on at every yeah. single level of sports. And I gave my example of something I know about from back – you know, I'm not going to say what year, who it was, or the exact place that it was, but I mean, you know of stuff that's happened as well. Yeah, and that's the key here is I think the interpretation of tampering and how the NCAA is going to rule on that. So, like, it could work in Tennessee's favor or it could be really bad. Um, you know, I think, look, if Tony V, he's going to sit out this weekend, if that's it, and it's kind of a self-imposed type of deal. Maybe I would even go as far as to say, hey, if there's a couple additional games that he has to sit out, yeah. I would take that <laughs> and move on. Get him ready for <laughs> conference play. Yeah, and I would. that would be a huge win, in my opinion, at this point. It's just so frustrating to me. And I know for everybody in here, guys that have seen it happen time and time again with the transfer portal and the issues that Tennessee has had consistently with the NCAA and the transfer policies. And we know it happens at other schools. We know that. But, of course, we're at the forefront of it here because we see it every day. We follow Tennessee closely. We're obsessed with the University of Tennessee athletics. 
But when you see guys that transfer to Alabama or to Oklahoma, to USC, now if you want to talk about tampering, I mean, we can talk about Lincoln Riley and yep. all that bleepity bleep going on out there. I mean, we can do that all night. So why why are we just picking on Tennessee? Why did they choose Tony Vitello and Maui Yahuna? Uh Mainly it's it's has less to do with Maui Yahuna and more to do with Tony V and this, the rise of this program, in my opinion. Uh, because, like I said, it's uh, you see a young guy that that comes into this program and rises it from the ashes, pretty much. And I think, uh, like you guys touched on, man, these successful programs, whether you're college baseball, college football, college basketball, like you're, uh, you know, you're gonna push the edge of the envelope. You know, you're you're gonna, right. I mean, he. Tony's not doing anything different than anybody else. I, I don't believe he's just a ultra competitor, and he's a genuine guy. That's that's the one thing that you mentioned the connection with the fan base and the community. Mm-hmm. Like he's a, and and me being involved with some interviews now, um, covering the team. Like you can hear it on radio, on air, whatever. But when you're up close with him and see him interact, like he's a human being, <laughs> like and he talks like that. Right. And so um, there's just that connection there, and seeing it at a place like this, I mean, it's it's not well received at those other schools. So um, now I think that's where the finger pointing kicks in. But like I said, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the ambiguity of um, you know tampering. You know, which <laughs> is it on the lower scale or the higher scale, and and how the NCAA interprets it and, and rules on it. Logan, would you say that? Uh if this is caused by who's the Arkansas head coach? Is Dave Van Horn. Dave, yeah. Would you say it goes back to when him and Tony Vitello got in that uh, heated exchange last uh, that's, year? Uh, you know, it's that's definitely a small factor in in the huge picture of the whole deal. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it's those type of things that uh, because Tony's got a he's a great recruiter and the kids want to play for him, and you know he's. He's going to take exception if, you know, Dave Van Horn says something. And, you know, at, certainly that's a small factor in the deal, yeah. Also, um, real quick, look, can I – you meant Kyle just mentioned Dave Van Horn, but last year the whole thing with the stickers on the bass, that was yeah. game one at Vanderbilt with Dave – or Vandy. Uh, it was at Corbin. Vandy, yep. yeah. Yeah, so – Yeah, man, that's um, – yeah, you could tell early on last year. It's like, what what is this Tennessee team doing? They're they're hitting a gazillion home runs, and, and then it's like, okay, wait till c- conference play. It, then it'll change. No, it didn't. <laughs> they started killing everybody. You know, Ole Miss and, and Vandy, and so that's you can't really tell me that. Uh, you know, it if it was a different team, different name on the uniform. Um, those bats, we probably wouldn't have had the bat deal, which that wasn't a huge deal. But you're right. Like, uh, they're going to be quicker. Tim, A guy like Tim Corbin is going to be in the ear of somebody uh, or a Van, another Vandy official and say, hey, something's not right here, you know. And, yeah, that's that's certainly a part of it. It is uh, definitely an interesting situation that we're still following here. Right now, let's go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Tommy is next. What do you say, Tommy? How y'all boys doing this evening? Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tony Vitello, if, if he took that uh, 
leave of absence whenever, you know, voluntarily because they won't give me his player. Man, I, I applaud that. That's, uh, that's one way to show them. But, uh, it just seems like every time that uh, Tennessee revenue sport gets up, you know, we got either other coaches in the conference coming after us or the NCAA is coming after us or something. It's, you know, it's weird because, you know, we've already got the NCAA on campus with football. Uh, basketball, we've not really been given a reason to be investigated. And then with baseball, of course, it's just like when someone is on the come up in football. You got uh, coaches in conference pointing fingers saying, well, how did they get all those guys? How did they get that good that quick? They must be cheating. They must be doing something wrong. And the first little bit of when they get, they're running with it and they're going straight to the NCAA. Exactly. But uh, I know you got J.O. coming up. I'm looking forward to hearing him again. Uh, last week was awesome, and uh, I- I'm glad you got him coming on. Uh, he's a great guy. He's got a lot of knowledge in the sport. But, uh, man, it's not looking good for Fontana this weekend for qualifying or anything else. It's coming to Monsoon out there. And you know what's you know coming to Monsoon on the West Coast. NASCAR's coming to town. It happens every year, it seems like. Yeah, it's uh... – that's the most disappointing part about NASCAR yeah, I mean, is you cannot control the weather. It's much like baseball. I mean, if it starts raining, you lose right. the field, you lose the track, you're you're not racing. Well, right now I'm looking at the provisional start lineup because they're probably, I'm about 90% sure they're not going to get qualifying in. So you'll have Christopher Bell and Ricky Stenhouse lining up the front row. Uh, Logano, Bowman, Busher, Almondinger, Suarez, Chastain, and Blaney, and Harvick's the top ten. But – What's interesting to me, you look towards the back, you got a lot of good cars that will be starting in the back on a green track. Uh, there's not going to be any rubber laid down on that thing. Uh, you're going to have William Byron, Chase Elliott, Eric Jones, and Tyler Reddick starting 32nd through 35th. So, seeing how they can manipulate the cars to get up towards the front pretty quick, because I don't know about that high line. You know, we've seen years past Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick, Alex Bowman, couple years ago they run that high line there at fontana you know fastest way around the track but you know that track being green with all this rain no no lights being put down on it i'm not sure how how well these cars are going to handle with limited practice or no practice at all that's going to be very interesting and of course we're in the last uh few years of the two mile race there (coughs) i mean we got this year and next year and then after that it's uh it's going to be an extended version of martinsville essentially pretty much and I, I'm not sure how I feel about that because uh, Auto Club is a pretty good track. Uh, I think the pavement finally aged well enough where it puts on a pretty good race. Um, there's a lot of short tracks around that area that we could go to if we want to have another short track on the circuit. But uh, like I said, I don't want to take up too much time uh, before J.O. gets here. But I just want to let y'all boys know, y'all be careful leaving the studio tonight. There's a... There's a maniac running around Knoxville, West Tennessee tonight. So. Oh, he has made his presence felt already. Yeah. So. Y'all, y'all watch out for old Justin Hanna. He's he's a wild man. Luckily, he's got Samantha with him, kind of toning him down a little bit. But I'm going to hang up and keep listening. I got to get in here and cook these girl suppers and hook up a system in the truck. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks for calling in. Yes, sir. Old Tommy talking, in, talking NASCAR. Got J.L. Steele coming up, the Gus Manning of NASCAR, as I like to call him, in about seven minutes. So that's going to be very fun. Logan, you not got into NASCAR much this year, have you? No, not really. About like Matthew. 
Yeah. 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 Me and Davis are NASCAR casuals. And I will continue to be. Yeah, we're we're going to get them all to Bristol. You That's all. You will not hey, get I'm us down. to Bristol. See, Logan's willing to go with me. Good. He can take my spot. Perfect. Yeah. Hey, you can take Tommy. He can take my spot. Works out with everybody. Tommy's not within driving distance. Uh, he'll make it happen. You will make it happen. I will not. I will have an exam. Oh, sorry. Sorry. We can't haze anymore, Logan. We, we forgot about this. In the state of Kentucky, it has been passed that you can be charged with a felony if a fraternity or a sports organization performs any type of hazing activity. Soft. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you look at campuses like uh, Penn State. They have like a, they have like a college kid die of you from the hazing they do. So I mean, hey, Kappa Sigma has a zero tolerance policy against hazing. No hazing of any physical or mental form will be condoned at any time. Bryson, what do you say to that? Absolutely not. Don't do it. Don't do uh, it. We don't do it. I forgot to mention Ole Miss. Our buddy was, uh, they were involved with a bleach scandal at Pike. Yep, and Ole Miss. Yep. Well, it's Pike. What do you expect? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, man. It made Fox News, CNN, NBC. It, it made the Big New York Time. Times. Yep. Where and how was the bleach being ingested? Sprayed. Sprayed, yeah. Down the kid's throat. Ooh. And they, they thought it was water, apparently. Yeah, because... Mixed the bottles up. Yeah, sure. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> I sprayed some sort of chemical on Adam Hickman a few weeks ago because he keeps aggravating me at work. And I told Nate I'm just going to get a spray bottle with water and I'm just going to spray him with it every time he aggravates me. Well, I just pick up this bottle. I smell it. And I don't smell anything. Take it to our office lady. She's like, I don't smell anything in it. That must be water. I spray him with it. And then all of a sudden, his hair starts sudsing up. I was like, oh, my God, what did I spray him with? He grabs the bottle, sprays me with it. I start shaking the bottle. It just fills with foam. I was like, I don't think I just sprayed him in the ear with water. No clue what it was? No clue. I know it wasn't bleach because he's still not blonde. <laughs> he does not look like Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah, it'll be all right. But, I mean, here's the thing. The type of people that are passing this bill uh, probably never got accepted into any of these organizations and never made the team for any kind of sport. They never got the girls in high school. Just, I mean, I'm. Why is everybody looking at me weird? Real quick, back to baseball. We're going to break. This is for Logan. Uh, I know this is kind of a loaded question. Do you see any type of retaliation? Not necessarily totally on the field, but off the field that Tony Vitello was going to. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. And I'm halfway expecting it, really, based on Trey's comments, you know, on the drive. I thought that was really interesting when he emphasized the part of, hey, I, you know, kind of can't wait for uh, Tony's next presser and and when he gets a chance to talk. So that, and I don't think, knowing Trey, he probably wouldn't have let that out there, you know, if just going out on a limb, right? right. So this thing is, as far as uh, the story is kind of coming to an end as far as this little box, but in terms of the whole book, man, this thing is far from being done. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it how it plays out the rest of this year and even beyond this year. Now what about Maui? I mean, obviously. Yeah, I think, um, like, I'm for some reason I'm a little less worried about him. Like, I think 
you know, I don't know if it's a situation it's either he plays or he doesn't, but um, you know, it like I said, the bigger picture is uh Tony V and and the finger pointing, not just with Maui, but other things. It it just seems to be that the thing with Maui is the one that they perhaps caught him on. Yeah. So we'll see. I did just see something where apparently the uh, the coach that uh, took over at Kansas was an LSU assistant. Am I correct on that? I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent. Because Kansas coach retired. That makes it interesting. Yeah, apparently yeah, that the, would be the coach that took over at Kansas was an LSU assistant yeah. last year. Yeah, I heard. I heard that too, Cal. Yeah. Yep. So there's your. Uh, you can you can put the pieces together on that puzzle. Yeah. Yep. yep. Connect those dots. Sure can. Alrighty, stay with us. Let's talk some NASCAR coming up. JL Steele joins us next right here on Fan Run Radio. Here on Overtime Fan Run Radio, pleased to be joined by JL Steele, our NASCAR expert, who will hopefully be joining us every Friday if he wants to. JL, how's it going? Uh, it's going great, and as long as my schedule allows, I'm happy to join you every Friday or any other time you want me. I, I've enjoyed it. Absolutely. I love to hear it. So, of course, you know, you're a Knoxville guy. You know about what's going on with the baseball program right now and how the NCAA. Yeah just always seems to have it out for Tennessee. And, you know, we've seen in the past, you know, NASCAR, they've had it out for certain individuals. You you very much, you very well know who I'm talking about with, sure. with a lot of this. And, you know, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about what happened this past weekend at Daytona. Uh, the one thing that stood out to me was not so much the race, but the amount of commercial breaks that we saw during the race. Yeah, so I watched it flag to flag. And – at first glance, you know, I, as I'm watching it live, I thought the same thing. I thought, you know, gosh, there's so many breaks and so on. But like you, I'm sure you saw that graphic that they put up that they claim they front-loaded the commercials so they go longer towards the end. Here's the biggest, I don't know if it's a conundrum, but, you know, I understand broadcast TV needs to pay the bills. I get that. Right. Um, you know, I... Maybe it would have been better to space them out more. I, I don't know. You you obviously know you can't predict a race. Is it going to go green for long stretches at the end that, so you benefit from front-loading the commercials? I don't know. But here's what I do know. We need to be careful complaining about commercials if or when a streaming component comes into the new TV contract. If you're going to complain about commercials now, is it fair to complain about commercial or complain about paying for a streaming service in a couple of years where you have to play a, pay a flat fee to watch a particular race, maybe in a small market or a not-so-popular track on a streaming service. Be careful what you ask for, you know? Right. Uh, that's a pretty fine line to, to walk. It definitely is. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the streaming service and your target markets and, you know, smaller markets where you don't have as many popular tracks. And we'd actually hit on this a little bit last week, you know, the clash being held in LA because they're trying to reach out to a new audience. And then we made the comparison, you know, to the cable company and 
we see the top five markets yeah. for Na- or for NASCAR, and Knoxville being one of them, you know, Spartanburg, Charlotte, uh, yeah. what were the others? Uh, Birmingham was one of them, and I think Greensboro was the other I one. I think so. Greensboro is usually top five always, yeah. And, you know, it just makes you wonder. It's like, you know, they say that that's their target market, but shouldn't their target market be the ones that are being loyal to them, the ones that are giving them the most viewership, the ones that have been there throughout the you know, many, many years. I mean, let's call it like it is. I mean, a lot of these people, like myself, I've experienced one, two, three. I think I've experienced four or five eras of cars, like five or six generations of cars in my life. Yep. And, you know, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, week after week, if you watch that, you'll see the top five markets usually involve the same six or seven, depending on the combination. Indianapolis is a big one that pops in the top five. Knoxville's pretty consistent. The Knoxville TV market, week after week, year after year, is usually in or near the top five. Greensboro, usually Charlotte. So I've always kind of shaken my head at the fact that we're, I say we as a sport, are searching for this mythical new fan, and we have to be in certain markets live, yet it's the same, same consistent TV markets that pull in the ratings week after week. Now think about this. You're talking about a race, for instance, the Clash in L.A. Uh, and this past week, Daytona, which, you know, of course, been uh, standard, the standard bearer for races. But here's Knoxville, Tennessee, top five. This isn't a major market. How is Knoxville, Tennessee, a, a, a top five TV market for your sport, yet you want to talk about Chicago and L.A. and possibly New York and these other places? It's like they just... Uh, but they just can't see the forest because of the trees, you know? And it's really aggravating as a fan, you know, yeah. just watching this. And it's like you just said, they're trying to find the mythical new fan. It doesn't exist. Been chasing them for probably 20 years, close to 20 years, you yep. know? And, and I don't want li- – listen, here's what's so aggravating to me. I am a middle-aged man who has disposable income. I have been a fan of this sport for as long as I can remember. So my earliest childhood memories were involved racing, okay? I have two daughters. One's down an adult. One's a teenager. I'm the type of guy that can load up an RV and go to the track and take my family. Well, when I go to the track, I do it by myself. My two daughters could not care any less about NASCAR. Well, that's because over the years, NASCAR has shown they really don't care about guys like me. They want this... And I hate to paint with a broad brush, but they're, they're chasing the same demographic, the young 20-something that wants to complain about having to pay their college loans. You think that guy has the money to load up an RV and take his family or friends to a track and spend an entire weekend and has that kind of income? Can't afford to. No, not at all. So my daughters, the next generation, have no interest in the sport. Why? Because I see no reason to take them to the track. Now, I've taken them to the local track. I'll take them to 411. I'll take them to Smoky Mountain Speedway. They don't. They know nothing about NASCAR because NASCAR said, hey, we don't need you, middle-aged guy. A little bit about local tracks. Talk about Smoky Mountain. Uh, what's your thoughts on the World of Outlaws late models coming in next weekend? Love it. Love it. Oh, I hope the weather's so good. We are so blessed, really, in East Tennessee to have so many, not only short tracks, well-known short tracks that put on such great racing, whether it's Smoky Mountain, whether it's Taswell, whether it's 411, uh, whether it's Bulls Gap. 
we are very blessed to be in this area. And uh, I love the World of Outlaws for them to come in to this area. I think it's phenomenal. I hope the weather cooperates because you know it's going to be a great show. Um, listen, if somebody's not sure, you know, they hear about racing and that's not their thing, You go if you don't go to Smoky Mountain Speedway any other time, you go next week. If you're uncertain about what you think about racing, so you go next week and you watch the World of Outlaws, I guarantee you'll be hooked. Guarantee we're, it. We're pointing at you, Matthew. You, you are going to watch the World of Outlaws <laughs> with us next week. What time is it next week? Uh, whenever you don't have class. I have class that time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Bryce, what else you got for him? Uh, yeah, so the return of North Wilkesboro for the All-Star Race. Um what are some other tracks you want to see back, and what are your thoughts on the resurrection of that track? Thoughts on the resurrection of North Wilkesboro? Yeah. I think it's wonderful because I'm a, a segment of that fan base who said back in the 90s, NASCAR should have never left. And I'll also be honest, I never thought it would come back. Once it was gone, I thought the place is dead, it's history, we'll never see a race in there again. So I am very pleased to see that i'm excited to see what the product looks like looks like on the track but i i'll admit i thought once it was gone it was gone forever other tracks i want to see come back nashville fairgrounds yes i can't tell you how many i lived in nashville in the 90s saturday night at nashville fairgrounds was phenomenal i'll never forget the cup guys had a had an off weekend bobby hamilton came back and ran an stp 43 late model and he competed against his son, Bobby Hamilton Jr., who was running there full-time, and Casey Atwood, who was full-time there. And they've got such legendary names at Nashville. Joe Buford, Chad Chaffin were in that era. It was great racing. I've watched Bush Series back when it was the Bush Series. I can't tell you how many years. I went out there, and we'd watch the Bush Series race at the fairgrounds. It's, it's everything a short track should be. I love it, and I want it to come back. And it's funny, I mentioned a name last week that you related to with Ryan Ellis. Uh, you just said yeah. one that relates to me, uh, Chad Chaffin. I actually went to college mm. with his son, Chaz, who really? did some racing cool. at uh, the fairgrounds. And I talked to him one time. I was like, man, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, dropping some money and getting into the sport. And I'm just like, I do this. And, like, what's going to be the best way to do it? Is it Legends cars? It's like, you'll spend more money on tires than you will the yeah. car when it comes to Legends cars. So that's interesting, yeah. like bringing up old names like that. And uh, Bobby Hamilton, of course, he was still in the NASCAR video games when I was coming up as well. So <laughs> a lot of these names are they're popping back in my head, and I'm starting to relate them to the truck they drove. Yeah, I'm telling you, it, it, that track, if you ever have a chance to go to Nashville and watch, uh, right, even at their, lo their regular program, which they only run a handful of times a year now, it's just uh, it, it's a historic place. You know, they ran the Cup Series there for years and years and years. Uh, and then after the Cup Series left, I think in 84, they continued to run the Bush Series there up through the 90s until the Nashville Super Speedway was built. It's a, it's a great facility, great views, short track. It's just that if that came back into NASCAR, whether it's at the truck level, Xfinity level, and certainly at the Cup level, it's just as good as it gets. Absolutely, and jumping to this week's race out in Fontana Auto Club Speedway, Kyle Larson is the favorite. And I think I even said going yeah. into the week, it's like if you're going to make a bet for this weekend, you got to go with two mile Kyle. 
So he's yeah. up there along with Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Joey Logano. What are we thinking about this weekend since it's going to be one of the last two times that we get to see them run uh, the two-mile track? Well, I'm anxious to see if they're if and when they're even to able run, you know, because of the weather they're calling for. Right. Uh, so that's, you know, you can't control that, as you mentioned in the last segment. That's the downside to, to racing at this level. Uh, however, the good news is they're on this West Coast spring uh, stretch where you've got Vegas coming up, and then I think it's Phoenix after that. So it's not, I mean, the crew guys, it would be bad for them, obviously, going back and forth. But, uh, you know, the haulers will be out there. The, everybody will be out there should they have to extend it for a day or two. Obviously, hopefully, they're able to get it in on schedule, close to on schedule. Funny thing about that track, about Fontana, for years, it seemed to put on some of the worst racing. And then as that surface aged, the racing became better. And we remember that battle between Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson mm -hmm. at the end of that race. And it has put on some of the best racing. So whether it goes away, whether it's reconfigured, we don't know that. But if they're able to get this race in, I think it's going to be a good one. And I'm with you. Kyle Larson, to me, is the man to watch. And if you're the betting type, the man to bet on for Fontana. That's that's my pick for this week is Kyle Larson. Good stuff. And I wanted to bring up a little bit of history and then a little bit of recency with this one. Of course, we all know the story of L.W. Wright and what happened at yeah. Talladega. Do you believe that that was actually him in the interview that was done on the podcast a few months back? You know, I don't know if you heard, you mentioned a few months back, yeah. uh, Rick Houston and the Scene Vault podcast, they, they put out, I guess, an, an updated installment last week about them, about him. I think it is, I think Rick did talk to L.W. Wright simply because of the evidence, specifically that driving uniform that, that Wright's son gave to Rick. And he said where the patches were and where the patches were missing on the on the fire suit, but the you know the, the shape of them and the size of them matched up. That to me is convincing evidence. On top of the fact that Rick Rick's a good reporter, solid reporter, longtime NASCAR reporter. He's not the type just to throw a story out there based on little to no evidence. There are certainly more than enough questions about rights, the details he gives and how the story changes. But I do believe that the man that Rick Houston talked to that claimed to be L.W. Wright, I'm convinced that's him. And, you know, it's so funny because, you know, I guess it would have been about five years ago is when I first heard the story. I was like, there is no way that this yeah. happened. There's no way this happened in NASCAR. But then you think about the times and it's like, well, he might have actually been able to get away with this. But yeah. for him to skip town and nobody nobody know, except for like probably a few close friends, who this guy actually was, and it took this long to find him, I mean, you gotta yeah. you gotta admire the hustle. I mean that's uh yeah. that's commitment. Best comparison I've heard, and I think Rick was the one that mentioned it, he for years, for decades, he'd been the D B Cooper of NASCAR, this yep. enigma, this unknown I do like getting the updates and hearing what's going on, but at the same time, it's kind of like pulling back the curtain on the wizard. Now we know almost too much. It's like we had this great mystery. You know, it's almost a who killed JFK type mystery in racing. Are we really glad we know that much? Because 
there was so much intrigue and mystery about it. It was fascinating. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad for Rick. He's a great guy, solid reporter, truly loves this sport. And if anybody was going to uncover the mystery of L.W. Wright, I'm glad it was Rick Houston. And I, I really do feel the same way about it. You know, it's not like it was in the NBA during the NBA Finals when Paul Pierce had to be hauled out in a wheelchair because he was in so much pain and then just come to find out he was never in pain. He just had to go yeah. to the bathroom. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, the LW, right? And, and anybody listening is not familiar with that story. It, it's too fascinating and really too long for me to go into. I would suggest that you look up either Google LW Wright, look at the Scene Vault podcast, which you can find on, you know, Apple and Google and all the podcast platforms. It's a, it's just a fascinating story of a guy that really pulled the wool over a lot of people's eyes. And, and what kills me about that story, and it sounds like you've listened to, to all the updates, of all the tracks that a nobody would try to make their debut in, the biggest, the fastest, probably the most intimidating track. Are you kidding me? I take some guts. <laughs> You're not kidding. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. JL, tell us where to find your stuff. Well, I don't do Facebook or all that other stuff. I am on Twitter, though, probably too much, my wife will tell you, but I'm <laughs> at uh, JL underscore Steel. That's S-T-E-E-L-E. JL underscore S-T-E-E-L-E. Sounds good. JL, we'll do it again soon, my man. I appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend, and hopefully you get to enjoy the race as well. Hope so as well. That is JL Steel, the NASCAR expert here in Tennessee. Stay with us. Overtime continues. Final segment of the program coming up right here on Fan Run Radio. Final segment of the week. It's overtime. It's Jake Miller. It's Bryson. It's Matthew. It's Davis. It's you. And back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines we go. Tanner is next. What do you say, Tanner? What is up, y'all? Um, I'll go ahead and say real quick before we talk about the baseball um, situation. Um, does it look like the team um, was distracted too much from it? Just uh, finished out a 10-run win. Yeah, and it seems like every time that something like this happens, like they just it adds fuel to the fire. And this I mean, goes back to last what, year as well, especially with the suspension after the chest bump of Ace Ventura. And guys come out and they just dominate. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, when he got suspended for bumping Macias, um, you know, they just responded, the team did, by crushing Alabama and those um, – you know, final two games of that series. So it looks like they definitely respond well. Um, have did any of you all see the final home run by the freshman Jake Kendra and what he did? Yes. We just talked about that during the break. What happened? I didn't see it. I, I haven't seen it either. I've just um, I've just seen people posting about it. But apparently, so um, first he had a um, a ball that was called foul. Then the umpires reviewed it. Turns out that it actually, um, you know, cleared the, you know, the the pole, 
and it ended up being a home run. Well, since he didn't get to celebrate, you know, that's the kid's first home run of his college career. He goes he goes back in the batter's box, swings the air, and does a bat flip, then rounds the bases. Nice. And uh, Dayton's pitcher was not happy, but apparently we made a bunch of their um, pitchers really upset tonight. Who cares, man? Looked like their shortstop was also pretty uh, yeah, fired up about it. Don't allow 13 runs. I mean, it's just it, it just is what it is at this point. I'm like, I'm, I'm I'm sure there wasn't you know chirping from them going on either. I'm sure they're just 100 percent the victim. Well, of course, because that's how it is in the world. You know, that's like you know here on overtime where we're unethical with a low basketball IQ, but you know somehow we have been right about every flaw that this team has had for the past few months. Do, do y'all think – are y'all actually worried? I mean, is it is it any – do you have any, like – do y'all have any actual, like, I guess, logical reason to worry that there's going to be more to come out of this Vitello situation? Or do you think that it's really just going to be, you know, this weekend, self-imposed suspension, get out in front of it, you know, play ball with the NCAA, even though you really don't want to, but – it, it, it's hard not to with what's been going on with the football program for the last couple of years. Um, you know, do you, do you think this is it and hopefully we get Maui by the middle of the week or what? Well, and, you know, Trey Wallace alluded to this. You know, it's probably his way of saying, okay, well, if my guy can't play, then I'm not going to be out there either, like standing up for his guy. And, you know, you just hit on something, Tanner. It's like you've already got the NCAA on campus for football. So you can't just tell them to get wet, like, they're going to be on campus. They're going to investigate this. And I just hope that whatever comes out of this does not get handed down on the kids like we saw at Oklahoma State with their basketball program in which the coaching staff, the entire coaching staff from the year of the violation was gone. All the players the year of the violation were gone. But Oklahoma State gets hit with a one-year postseason ban over something that they none of those guys had anything to do with. Absolutely none of those guys had anything to do with it. I just hope this does not come down harder on us in the future. Now, I will say it is awesome that we have coaches like Josh Heupel, Tony Vitello, that are willing to risk it to win. And I would, I'll say this, and a lot of people are not going to agree with this, but how badass would it be to win a natty or a few years later to have it stripped. It's like, guess what? You can take our banner, but guess what? You cannot take away the memories. You cannot take away the fact that that team won a title. Because guess what? No infraction that we were able to commit helped us win a championship. Money's not helping Reggie Bush. Money's not helping Mal Yahunia. Money is not helping Nico. Money's not helping that case. Tampering isn't helping that case. I mean, yeah, we're getting the talent in, but guess what? They still have to go out there and perform. Yeah, it's um, you can't really take away what happened on the field, but I mean, I I I think that's just you know, I'm I'm not worried it's going to like snowball into something more than that, you know. Um, I know it's like a collective like fan PTSD. It's the battered ball syndrome showing itself. A lot of people are wanting to think, oh, this reminds me of what happened with Bruce Pearl on the barbecue. Well, here's the thing with that: that was a whole like actual NCAA investigation into the program that was that was Bruce Pearl lying to the NCAA it's like as far as we know it's like this athletic department's cooperating here this is something that was already self-reported you know level three violation I mean unless something else has happened these past eight or nine months that we're not aware of I mean 
I, I don't know how much you know more will be uncovered if that's the correct term it's just it's just so annoying that this happened back in june of last year this uh quote-unquote tampering this this recruitment of maui and it's just and now being brought to light when the season has started because of course it has um you know that's just annoying but I don't know, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking it's going to snowball into more, you know, unless, you know, we have some new scoop that comes out. Um, so we'll, we'll just see what happens. It's just, it's just so annoying, man. It is. I mean, it's annoying from perspective of a fan. And, Tanner, you, you know this just as well as I do. You could count on probably two hands the amount of people that you knew that even so much as looked up how the baseball team was doing pre-2019. And now look at what Tony Vontello has created. A monster. Like, jerseys are selling. Apparel is selling. And, like, this is stuff that they didn't even stock at your local stores and at the university store. Like, they didn't even stock this stuff. It's like you had to go out of your way to actually look for the stuff. And now it's available at will. Yeah. No, it's it, it, it's definitely been something what he's done here in the last few years, and you know I, I've been the guy who's you know I've always kept up with the baseball program. Like this is going back to Todd Raleigh, which you know that's an era I really don't want to <laughs> speak on. I don't think anyone wants to speak on um, you know the previous you know fifteen or so years before Tony really got this thing rolling. You know I always kept up with the baseball program, but I didn't I didn't like you know keep up as much with the national college baseball scene. You know as it goes from week to week. But with these last few years, I've I've done that, and something I've noticed, Jake, and I I know you've noticed it too, just by either interacting with other fans of some of these more established, um, you know, baseball programs. Uh, man, it's um, I don't know the vibe, the attitude of like some uh, some college baseball fans. Man, it's really lame, isn't it? It's uh, very dorkish. Yeah, it's it's lame, and you got and you know we know who the suspects are probably are with um trying to get people to well by people I mean trying to get the NCAA to look at Tony. We know who the suspects are. Oh, we know it's Tim Corbin and Dave Van Horn. We know Corbin, that. Dave Van Horn, it's Kevin O'Sullivan at Florida. Um, I wouldn't even roll out Jay Johnson at LSU. I mean, th- think of all the success they had in the portal. No one, no one dared look their way. No one dared look the way of Baton Rouge. But it's all these... Um, no, they're just going to funnel these, money from a children's hospital like they did with Rohan Davey. Uh, yeah, yeah. They they don't really have a lot of room to speak. But, you yeah. know, it's, and especially Dave Van Horn and Tim Corbin, it's, it's these dudes have been there forever. It's like, it's a very um, country club, good old boys club mentality. And Tony is kind of shaking that up. And uh, they don't like that, man. They do not like it. No, it's just like going to a campground the night before your buddy's wedding, and it's a bunch of people that are family-oriented and everything. They don't want the guys coming in on a bachelor party, and then they file a noise complaint on you. I wouldn't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're alluding to. Well, I mean, I'm just saying I've heard there are some instances where it's happened, and then a guy loses his keys, loses a shoe. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Maybe, maybe you fall into a bush. <laughs> into kudzu. Yeah, maybe that happens. But um, man, you know, I hope I hope the university, you know, will always um, you know, fight for Tony B. I hope Danny White's going to fight for him. I hope Dondi is, um, because you just 
you know, play ball with the NCAA if you need to. But, I mean, you can't – you got to stick up for your guy eventually. And I think they are doing that. Um, so, we'll just see if there's any other developments over the weekend. Um, I'm getting annoyed with it. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Nothing re- we can really do con- to control it at this point. No, there's nothing you can do at all. Uh, Tanner, you got a uh, basketball prediction for us this weekend. I don't care. <laughs> really, I think – no, being serious though, I, I I think we will win. I don't know what type of game to expect. You know, we we saw how much of a fight Carolina gave Bama the other night. Although there's probably up, well, not probably. There's definitely the circumstances that probably caused Bama not to be a hundred percent locked in there. Um, Grand South Carolina was definitely trying. They definitely had a really good effort. We saw what happened. Maybe that was just the final blow and whatever they had left to fight for this season. That's the team you should handle, but we'll see, man. I don't know. This, this team's so unpredictable. Yeah, and uh, you know it's funny because the drive had mentioned uh, one of their listeners had asked why did Jerry Green get fired, and then they basically described Rick Barnes didn't maximize talent and flamed out in the postseason. Is that the exact verbiage, Matthew? Yes, basically, yeah. Basically, woe for woe, what you just said. I mean, the only thing Barnes hasn't done that Jerry Green did, he's not, you know, straight up gone after the fans for being disappointed with the, with the team. You know, at least not telling what, what do you say, go to Kmart? Go to Kmart. Don't like it. And the, is, you know what's bad is, is I can't even weird. tell my favorite Jerry Green story on air. Because no one's ever been able to 100% say that was in the program, yes, this happened. I know of people that were <laughs> very knowledgeable about what was going on that say this happened, but I can't tell you because I cannot confirm that it happened. Mm. You know what I'm talking about. I actually might have forgot. You might need to um, refresh my memory after the show's over. I will, I will make sure to do that. All right. Well, I'm going to hop off here while y'all have a few more minutes. Um, hope for the best this weekend. You know, take care of Dayton like you should in baseball. Hopefully you take care of Carolina basketball. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just go from there, I guess. All right. Take it easy, Tanner. Davis, are you still with us? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm here. Good. Anybody got a score prediction for this weekend? Matter of fact, has anybody, has anybody seen a line for this game yet? Uh, we're probably favored by 30, knowing the uh, analytics. Oh, man. I mean, which game? It was Missouri. That was a weird line. Missouri was, what, 7? Th- no, Missouri was, no, Missouri was, was 13. Kentucky, we were favored. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I want to guess the line. Uh, 13 and a half. Well, uh, se- uh, 16 and a half. We're favored by 20. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 20? 20, yeah, 20. 20 points. Yeah. You're okay. kidding, right? Is there not a, it's not 2.0, it's 20? Yeah, it's 20. Two zero. Tw- 20. <laughs> 20. 20. 20 points. What's your favorite like? 20 points tomorrow. Do we score 20 points against Kentucky in the first half? No. Do no. Tomorrow in the first half. You know what's funny is I'm actually going to take an alternate on that. What? Kentucky, uh, South Carolina plus, uh, South Carolina money line at that point? I wouldn't take the South Carolina money line. But I might take South Carolina to cover. 20 points? You think we'll be the 20 points? Uh, 
Let me make sure FanDuel has the same line as ESPN. But yeah. <laughs> 20 points. Okay. Wait, that's on ESPN. Yeah. I know where they're getting that from. I know which sports book they're getting that from. It's a reputable one. Whew, man, 20 points. I don't know about that one. A 20-point spread for tomorrow's game against South Carolina. Um, FanDuel has it 19 and a half. You know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? What you going to do? I'm going to sell every share, every coin of Sheba that I have. Don't do this. Don't don't, don't put it on. And I'm going to put it all on South Carolina to cover. Because guess what, man? You're going to do that, and then we're going to win by 20. Exactly. And then it would be a push, and I'd just put all the money back in. 19 and a half. If you bet that long. The over-under is at 129 and a half. Under. Oh, God. <sighs> What's this going to be, Matthew? A snooze fast. <laughs> Davis, what's this going to be? Yes. Yeah, I got to go, y'all. Uh, I'll talk to y'all Monday. <laughs> Love you, man. Um. <laughs> uh, this might be the battle of... You know what's funny is the woman that we heard in the background, I thought she was saying snooze fast. Yep. yep. We know... Hey, it, I'm speaking for Davis here. You know what Davis was going to call this? What? The battle of the mid. This would be a mid-off. A mid-off. A mid-off is what it's going to be, man. You know what? Uh, my score prediction is uh, 68-66. You think they're going to get that high? I mean, I didn't think we uh, I didn't think we get that high. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know, man. Every time I say we're going to score like 70 points, we're going to go under, so you're not going to cut my line back. So you said 68 to... 66. So you would take the over? Sure. Bryson, score prediction. Uh, uh, yeah, fifty-eight to forty-nine, maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna go sixty-two to fifty-eight. I don't, I don't and I'm not gonna tell you who wins because I don't know. Yep, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, what's the what's the, what are Tennessee plus odds right now? Money line was um minus forty-five hundred. What's the South Carolina plus odds? Plus sixteen hundred. Just to put it in perspective, Alabama was favored by 17 and a half. <laughs> they think we <laughs> Granted, it was at South Carolina, but. <laughs> Play my music. Oh, man. That is going to do it for us. I want to thank Davis. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Thank you, Bryson. Thank you. And thank you, our loyal listeners. Something else coming up next here on WKGN. Tune in tomorrow after the game for voluntary reaction on Twitter Spaces. And then on Monday for three and out right here on Fan Run Radio.